0: Cryomalt Malt brings you the best local malt to make the best local beer. It also brings you this 40 minute package of quality news, views, and opinion that we like to call Radio Brews News. Welcome. My name is Pete Mitchum. I am your host, and I'm uh, happy to be joined yet again by my co hosts. First of all, Matt Kierkegaard. Mate, I always used to introduce you as my good friend, and I'm just your co host. What, what's with that? Just stick to the script. We're trying to keep it tight. Okay, righto. G'day, Prof. Thanks for having me. That's all right, mate. It's a pleasure to have you had. And my co-co-host, James Atkinson. Top of the morning to you, Prof. And the rest of the day to you, sir. we uh, were lucky enough to catch up uh, IRL yesterday, as the cool kids say, uh, down at Mountain Goat. We will uh, direct our listeners in the direction of Beer is a Conversation, where uh, hopefully this week we'll be able to uh, share with them our chat at Mountain Goat to celebrate their 20th and some really interesting insights and a bit of crystal ball gazing as well um, and some keen uh, key uh, i guess notes and uh warnings for uh, for young players who may be entering the business
1: but also it was just it was pretty timely um chatting to those guys just with the events of um the last few weeks obviously with Ferrell and four pines and just having a chat to Dave benighton about things have changed how things have changed or how they haven't changed at mountain goat um since the sale there because One of the things that, you know, the reaction that we've seen online in, you know, in relation to the feral uh, buy, it's been pretty vicious. Um, uh, uh, People sort of, you know, saying, oh, that's, you know, the beer's going to go downhill straight away. Um, So it was just sort of interesting picking those guys' brains about that exact topic.
0: Yeah, we'll uh, give the listeners another hint uh, to head across to Beer as a Conversation after they've listened to this news wrap, which this week contains, uh, as James intimated, a bit of fallout from the feral buyback. We'll be looking at that. We'll also be looking at the Brewers Association attempt to take craft back. Does the little fish have a chance of eating the big fish? Uh, Matt will talk us through a couple of interesting uh, launches. First of all, being the Forex uh, Gold launching their summer of cricket. Matt was there. Uh, our ear on the ground and our bat in the crease and he'll talk to us about that one Um, we will have a quick review or preview I should say of the I guess we can call it the very first Sydney beer week uh, that Dave Phillips and his crew um, I'm guessing are both fizzing at the bung and puckering at the sphincter as uh, this goes to air they will be very close to, I guess, breaking the uh, the the bottle of brown champagne across the bow of the ship and launching for the first time um, what hope, hopefully will be a great week and a bit of events for Sydney and the beer scene. Uh, will uh, Matt will also be talking us through Ash Cranston, uh, who's a good friend of the program, but hasn't actually been on before, but um, has, has been a great uh, source, I guess, for us over the years. Um, he's recently left little creatures to head up a new venture a new startup and uh, we'll be looking at that speaking of startups James is going to talk us through a very starry-eyed startup um, and we might even just uh, touch a little bit on that and as well as giving us a wrap of last night's alias stay tuned for that one and we'll finish off with Matt as promised last week but we didn't quite get time the Oktoberfest Brisbane wrap-up so gentlemen uh, Matt because you were kind of at the pointy end of this one, a um, bit of fallout from the Feral buyback that perhaps we didn't, we didn't quite see the vehemence um, that when Four Pines dropped. But uh, this week's been an interesting one for for social media.
2: Yeah, mate, we weren't able to really cover it last week because the news had just dropped when we uh, went live last week. Yeah, interesting. Feral has really uh, had a bit of blowback uh, on social media, and I guess it's probably not terribly surprising in a way uh, for two reasons one four pines they always had that we're getting big to get out feel about them um you know th- there was always this feeling that they were on-, on that trajectory to be taken over um whereas with feral um they always had the feeling that they were around you know Brennan was celebrating 15 years um very passionate single owner of the brewery growing slowly, and then selling out to Coke, which doesn't have, up until now, a great track record in craft beer. And so, yeah, probably not surprising that we've seen the sort of feeling that it has. But more than anything, Prof, you know, it it really disappoints me, the ignorance of a lot of the discussion. You know, like even when we, uh, you know, there was... It
0: disappoints, but does it really surprise?
2: No, it it, it doesn't. But, you know, like that doesn't mean that you can't call dickheads out as dickheads when they're... um... (laughs) Don't all back, Matt. Well, it, it, it is one of those things. Like, across the beer media, such as it is in Australia, um, there was pretty much exhaustive coverage of it. And James Atkinson um, posted a really good article. It was a bit of a summary of the chat that we had, and we covered off a whole lot of things about what happens to Nail, things like that. Um, the you know first comments are, oh, feral sold, what's happening to Nail? And you just go, read the fucking article. Well, listen, you know... <laughs> So they're commenting on an article and asking the most basic questions that are covered in the opening paragraphs of the article. And you're going,
0: well, you know, yes, everyone's got a right to an opinion on, on this. There's a meme, I think, that covers that. Isn't that I just come here for the comments? Yeah, well, there, there, there is, but... Now they're becoming a caricature of themselves.
2: But they are. And, you know, they say, oh, look, I'm entitled to my opinion. Yeah, you are. You've got a right to your opinion. But you also have, you know, the, the social contract is for every right there's a responsibility. And... You know, the, the responsibility is you at least try and inform yourself before you mouth off with your half baked opinion. And more than anything, that's what disappointed me. You know, if, if you're disappointed that Feral sold um, because it's another one of our great sort of independent craft breweries, and independence, as we've talked about, has some cash and currency and importance um, in the industry, that's fine. But when you, you know, oh, they're now Coke beers and, you know, just stupid comments um and uninformed comments it's just yeah like i just think that you're not really even a beer lover you're just a, a a knob with a keyboard
0: yeah no good call um james we had a bit of a chat yesterday you've been monitoring the um the feral facebook page is a disappointment born of uh, a greater emotional attachment to the brand than say four pines drinkers had to that brand
1: well, monitoring is a pretty strong word. I sort of um, had a look into the sewer and decided I did like what I saw, and um, got and got out of there pretty quickly. Um, look, I think I think there's probably a few different things that play there. I mean, I think that the WA parochialism is strong as well, and um, I think that Feral being you know such a um, adventurous, just a non commercial brand that that really had a real strong underground following you know just just those sort of all those elements kind of combined to make people and then the fact that it was coca cola amatol as well i mean it's coca cola company owns 30 29% of coca cola amatol but to the man on the street and the idiots on facebook it's it's coke it's just coke and it doesn't matter that, um, you know, through our super funds, we all, you know, a lot of Australians own part of Coca-Cola Um So I, I sort of think it's just to do with, yeah, the, the, the parochialism and, and um, you know, just all the diff- all those different elements combined. That's, that's a way of explaining the sort of reaction, but not a way of really excusing it. Because as Matt says, I just I just sort of found it vicious. A lot of it. And um, just kind of uh, made me a bit sad, really, when, you know, I think that anyone who is a beer lover and a fan of Feral's beers should at least, even if they've drunk their last Feral beer and they want to go and keep supporting independent breweries, um, at least be a bit happy and congratulatory for Brendan for putting his ass on the line for the last 15 years and getting the reward that he deserves.
2: Yeah. And, and without tooting our own trumpet, I would suggest you go and listen to the Beer as a Conversation last week because... It's well and good to read you know words that have been through the filter of a journalist uh, putting them into an article but to actually hear him talking about it um you you actually hear his words his expression the, the tone in his voice and it, it was certainly interesting to sit with him and listen to his
0: thoughts um,
2: about the takeover and you know it certainly uh, gave me plenty to think about
0: doing that yeah and look it's it's nothing new it's um i guess a part of the nature of social media um and I'd ask some of these commenters to perhaps think, okay, so write down your comment, put it on a piece of paper, then fly over to Perth and then walk into the brewery and shout out your comment.
2: <laughs> or just hand it to him <laughs> on a piece of paper. That's a you know, that's a good test problem. Yeah.
0: Because I'll because 'cause I'll give you a tip now, he may be, he seems small, but both either Brendan or Will will hit you from twenty five <laughs> metres with a fucking watermelon. <laughs>
2: Prof, one thing I will say about all of this is that it is the flip side of, as as we are seeing, you know, CBIA turn into the Independent Brewers Association and one of the strongest bows that they've got in their their arsenal of protecting, you know, small independent brewers is their idea of independence. And, you know, when when, when you play that emotional card and, you know, get people into your product based on that element, when there are sales, you do get that emotional response because you've played to that emotional response in the first place and it's that there is that natural element um to it and we will see more of that um and i think ultimately that can be one of the uh you know pins that burst the bubble of what craft beer means when people go well you know i used to love feral and now they're owned by coke and i still like their beers how bad is non-independent beer um and and it does start to Gradually erode that emotional investment in, in, in the product that gave craft beer its uh, you know its, its real
1: start. Is Ferrell not independent? The jury's out on that one at the moment. <laughs> yeah, in that was commerce, that, not independent.
0: That set a few uh, tongues a wagging. Yeah, I was going to list that in our uh, in our discussion points, but I think we probably need to perhaps break that down a little bit and and dig in, dig be- below the surface into the detail uh, of that one, and, and perhaps bring it next week. Or, oh, I can, what, I can what do you, what do you guys think?
1: cover it off. I, I can very yeah. quickly cover it off in a nutshell. Um, the issue at at um, play is whether CCA, Coca Cola Amatil, has combined beer volumes through all of its joint ventures, whatever, including um, uh, Australian Beer Company. Has combined beer volumes above 40 million litres of brands that it owns. Now, it's obviously Ferrell's belief and um, CCA's belief that they definitely don't. And the reason that they've arrived at that um, at that belief is that all of the the vast majority of of CCA's Australian volume is the likes of Coors and uh, Miller. Miller is a, is actually a decent sized brand. And all of those brands are, are contract brewed. They're not, you know, they're not brands that they control in CCA's eyes. And, you know, they believe not according to the to the constitution of the IBA. Um, so I think the IBA's got to, they're going to take some convincing on that. Um, it's not, you know, they're. Ferrell's confident that they are eligible, but the IBA isn't. And um, we're sort of still waiting to, to see what they come up with there. But it's, going to, it's going to be interesting, and I think that I've already seen a couple of small independent brewers saying, well, if these guys are eligible, then that, that is, um, you know, that's ridiculous, and it just undermines the
0: point of, you know, of the IBA. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting one, I think, um, whichever way it, the, the coin lands. Um, what do you reckon, Matt? Yeah, look – definition um, will ultimately speak for itself
2: when it comes down to the interpretation of things. Um, I mean, I look, I, I personally think that CCA should, rather than being too cute, should have sort of gracefully exited um, because it does smack a little bit of having your cake and eating it too. That they want to have the, these breweries, but they also want to be seen to be part of the Independent Brewing Association. The definition of the, the IBA came up with was looking more at the influence and control that any one entity has in the, you know, Australian market. And even though Coke doesn't have a lot of, um, you know, beer control with their, all of their beverages that they sell into the same markets, they, they do exercise a lot of control. So, yeah, no, look, I I, I think CCA, without any criticism of them or any judgment about their beer, I think they should have just, you know, graciously exited um, and uh, said, look, you know, we're not going to change Ferrell's beers and it's still fantastic beer, but let's leave it at that.
0: Leads us nicely into our next item, which is uh, heading overseas. The Brewers Association has launched the largest crowdfunding campaign ever, and they want to raise $213 billion uh, to buy none other than AB InBev, Megabrew.
2: Did you put your finger to your lip uh, when you
0: said billion then, Prof? $213 billion uh, to buy <laughs> AB InBev uh, in an attempt to take craft back. Is this even possible?
1: No, it's not. It's a faux... Uh, crowdfunding campaign. The um, bids are not real. Um, if you go and pledge whatever amount you want to, my understanding is it's just a it, it, it's it's meaningless. They won't ask for your credit card details, but what they will ask for is your data. So they'll they'll if you give them your email address, um, I think they'll send you out a brewers association. They'll probably send you out a cap with an upside down bottle on it or something along those lines. Um, but it's just a very I, I thought it was a genius bit of. Um, Bit of viral marketing. Um, the amount of money they must have spent on that ad, it was just, I just thought it was very clever, um, very funny. And there is quite a powerful message that I think will resonate with people when you go to that website and you see the size of that 213 billion that they would need to raise to buy AB Inbeb in theory, and the minuscule amount of funds that they've raised against that. It's quite a powerful way of showing how big they are. So yeah, I, I thought it was really
0: clever. Does AB InBev kind of see this kind of thing and go you know well played to give them a little golf clap and go okay you know like does it does it affect them at all?
1: Uh, look I, don't, I I don't think they'd be uh, losing losing any sleep over it. Um they've poked fun at craft beer and independence as well haven't they with the, their Budweiser ads and and so forth. Yeah,
2: and they had their uh, you know 10 recently taken over brewers all come out sort of scoffing at independence. So you know, mate, I agree with you um James it really shows you know, quite graphically when you're trying to raise the money through crowdfunding, um, knowing just how spectacular it is how big this company is. And it really un- you know, triple underlines how big ABI is um, to remind people why small local breweries matter. And perhaps you know a, a great local example is there was a Queensland senator this week who had a bit of a whinge about you know poor Forex is having a hard time getting beer on taps because the CUB is buying up all the taps. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So I didn't share it with you guys because it just seems so ridiculous. Um, but when you're sort of talking about, and again, no disrespect to, to Forex, as we'll talk about, but you know, Forex is part of a large company line, which in turn is part of you know, a large Japanese brewery, which uh, as, as Prof always like to say, is what the Mitsubishi Heavy Industries
0: co-op of Japan something, Prof? Yeah, the super happy fun company, Mitsubishi <laughs> yeah. Finance Money um, Corporation. And uh, yeah, when, when you've got a
2: Queensland senator, um, you know, talking about poor little, uh, you know, forex not getting a fair shake in the market, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, a campaign like this really underscores how small uh, small breweries are. But then again, I take my point um, back to the one I made about Feral. Um, when you're building that sort of emotional investment, you've got to expect the uh, backlash when uh, some people you know, jump out of that, you know, jump to the other side of the fence.
0: Yeah, so get over there, get onto the Brewers Association website. We've got some links on our Facebook page, and I think the there might be. Can you get to it through our, through the, through the Brewers News website as well? It's actually just on our uh, on our Facebook page. All right, so head over to the Facebook page and uh, give that they may grow and buy AB InBev. Matt, I don't like cricket. I love it. Uh, 4x Gold Summer of Cricket. Yeah, my,
2: this, I um after the, the events of a couple of years ago, uh, you know, when we didn't get invited to, to Forex Island, I'm always a little bit surprised when I get invited to a uh, Forex event, but uh, I was invited do, to... Do you the- feel
0: a little bit like Joe Pesci in Goodfellas? They? No, no, come around, come around, it'll <laughs> oh, be fine. And you're just waiting to get whacked.
2: Um, yeah, keep
1: Um, (laughs) it. That's like another invitation
0: that I received recently to visit the Brew Brewery. (laughs) (laughs) And he was never seen seen again.
2: again. (laughs) The beer developed a funny taste after that.
0: We might might hold that
2: over for next week, James, or or get some ideas on that one. I was invited to the Gabba yesterday uh, because we are soon going to see the summer of cricket start and has been a change in... Uh, official sponsors Forex Gold is back in the baggy green or in their case the baggy goldie they've uh, their big marketing campaign to to launch it is that they've created uh, several tens of thousands uh, baggy gold caps um, and to, to get one all you have to do is go along and buy a specially marked pack of Forex Gold uh, send off $7.50 posting a channeling and they'll send you out a Forex Gold cap now it's not just any Forex Gold baggy gold cap uh, it's got a Little, I mean, it's not even a small device. It is a um, connectable, uh, called an eye beacon, and uh, you connect it to an app on your phone. And whenever you or your mates, or even you and some strangers who are wearing their connected Forex uh, Gold cap get together, you can win prizes. So essentially, I think it's a it's a marketing campaign to get you to get your cap. Um, wear it at the cricket, because then there are hopefully in Forex eyes going to be 10,000 similar people, and then you can uh, win, I think, $350,000 worth of prizes. So, yeah, looked, I guess when there's not much you can say about the beer, that these are the sorts of things you talk about. But, uh, yeah, no, it was an interesting idea, an interesting offer, and uh, we'll, we'll see how it works out for Forex.
0: Yeah, and the way the Australian cricket teams. Uh, travelling just at the moment, probably walking around wearing hats and trying to win prizes, beats the shit out of watching cricket.
2: <laughs> one thing I will say, actually, was Adam Gilchrist is the spokesman for this campaign, uh, Gilly, and...
0: Well, look, was was Booney busy? Oh, no, because Booney's uh, <laughs> flogging... He's over beer now, isn't he? Well,
2: he's over... And mate, that's... He's was, drinking...
0: Is he still drinking uh, CC and dry?
2: Uh, apparently, he's still uh, flogging the yeah, Canadian club. Um, one thing I will say is when I, I saw Gilly say... And then he said, look, it's been 10 years since I've retired. You know, not many people recognize him anymore. He looks like he could still uh, you know, strap on a uh, pad and head out to the center. Um, he is very, very fit looking. He's obviously, well, God knows what he's doing, um, but he's looking very fit, looking very healthy. And in terms of a spokesman for Forex Gold, um, and it did occur to me to say that, you know, there is a real contrast between VB and Booney and Warnie and uh, Gilly. Because he was always a bit of a legend, you know, gentleman sportsman in, in the centre. And I thought, well, actually, more than anything else to do with this campaign, I reckon that is a, re- a real stroke of genius because you've got a really clean cut fit. Um, you know, he must be in his early 40s now. Um, late 30s, early 40s, I'd say, because he retired quite young.
0: Yeah, he'd be 40.
2: Yeah, so as so far as ambassadors for the game and also for for the brand branded product go, I think that it's a real master stroke of... Uh, Forexes to do that and you know it's real shades of the, the difference you know you don't see four buffs on the beach um with the cattle dog you know unshaven selling Forex anymore and I reckon uh, Gilly's a pretty good uh, spokesman just in terms of lifting the brand value of beer he's a, he's a pretty good guy to do that.
0: Yeah, may be now the next uh, ad campaign will be those four blokes and the dog, you know, wandering around with their baggy golds on the island, you know, just <laughs> trying to bump into a monkey with another hat so they can win a prize.
2: We'll see. We'll see.
0: Yeah, no, we wish him well. Uh, interesting to see too, because I'm assuming that um, Adam Gilchrist is still contracted to Channel 10 for the the Big Bash. Um, he's personally one of my favourite uh, commentators. So, and I don't think there's any beer involved in in Big Bash as far as so there won't, won't be any conflict of interest i don't think
2: i presume not because they wouldn't be paying him to be spokesman if there was any sort of uh, brand clash they
0: uh, that they sign off on those things pretty heavily yeah yeah we'll we'll, we'll see if he and uh, flemo you know turn up wearing their hats and going i've won a key ring <laughs> <laughs> um one place i'm guessing that you won't see a lot of baggy golds will be around sydney this week uh, as we join together wishing dave phillips and his crew all the best for the launch of uh, Sydney Beer Week. As I said, as this podcast goes live, um, the opening ceremony will be, uh, the launch party will be just about in full swing, I would imagine. James, is there a buzz around Sydney for the, I guess, rebranded and relaunched Sydney Beer Week, the artist formerly known as Sydney Craft Beer Week?
1: Yeah, there, there actually is. Um, being at the uh, at an industry event last night, um, a lot of people were talking about it. And there's, yeah, I think from my understanding, events have sold, Pretty well across the board. I know the guys, are, the City Beer Week guys, are really happy with with how it's all looking. And as you said, tomorrow night it will kick off with the opening gala. Uh, which is at the Australian National Maritime Museum, so on the harbour there. Pretty awesome venue that they've managed to secure, and something new for new for um, new for beer in Sydney. And um, I reckon it's going to be I reckon it's going to be huge. I've got a a big weekend of of events to look forward to. Um, all, it's always one of those things where you know how it is with a beer week. You always have these ideas ideas of uh, of attending lots of things that you probably won't actually make it to. <laughs> Uh, and then I'm off I'm off on leave for a couple of weeks um, from Tuesday. So making the most of this weekend and then getting away for a couple of weeks.
0: Well, give it a hit, mate. Give it a free hit, um, a la Adam Gilchrist. Knock it out of the park. A uh, couple of events that uh, if people haven't got a ticket to already, you would recommend?
1: Uh, look, you, you, you've got to start with the opening gala on Friday night. Sorry to uh, go back to that one, but there are still tickets left, and that's the one event that the Sydney Beer Week guys are putting on themselves um, rather than relying on, um, you know, sort of the, the venues and, and breweries to do it themselves. So I think that's that's really a must-attend. Um, there's a Tassie event on, I know, on Saturday, which is sort of Tassie beer, cider, food and everything at the Empire Annandale, um, which looks looks like it's going to be a cracker. The Pirate Life Boys are in town on Saturday having a uh, spit roast of sorts, I believe, at the Quarryman's. The Feral Brewing guys have got their 15th um, celebrations at the Royal Albert on Saturday night. So, look, that's just a taster of events that are happening on Saturday. And then on Sunday, actually, I'm really keen to go to Staves is doing a, a cask-off um, and being a fan of, um, of cask ale. I'm really keen to get along to that and and see see what people have come up with. What's your feeling about the events
2: um, themselves? Because something that we have seen, you know, like Brisbane has suffered uh, a little bit in some of the beer weeks is that there's a lot of enthusiasm. You get a lot of venues jumping on events that don't end up then selling out um, and you get a few cancellations and then uh, I, I get the sense that with people looking ahead to Bruce Vegas in Brisbane next year, suddenly people get a little bit gun-shy about getting involved um, because it hasn't
1: driven a lot of people to bars. How do you think the program scheduling's gone this year? I think it's been done much... It's been curated much better than it has been in the past. And um, One of the things that we saw in previous years was just that there were too many... Uh, events that were very, just very similar. I mean, you even had the same brewery doing four tap takeovers in the course of a week at different venues, um, which really just sort of, you know, just crowds the schedule with events that are the same. And I think that um, that Liam and Dave have, have um, been very careful just to make sure that they get that balance and and no duplication. And Yeah, because I share an office with those guys, I know that they're pretty happy with how things have sold. I think there's been one or two events that haven't done well, but that's that's always going to happen. But overall, I think it's been it's been pretty successful, and hopefully, if they pull it off, you know, put put on a good show this year, then it'll give people confidence to really get behind it even more next year. And you know, who knows? It could become
0: a bit of an answer to um, Good Beer Week in Melbourne. There we go, beautifully done. And we'll go from a uh, preview to a review, Matt. Guten, tarben, or guten Morgen, um, tell us all about Oktoberfest Brisbane.
2: Oh mate, you look very, uh, very excited about it as I think I indicated last week. Yeah, no, uh, Oktoberfest Brisbane, one of the top ten Oktoberfests outside of Munich, um, according to National Geographic uh, magazine and uh, Cracker. I think they had had some pretty wet weather um, over the two weekends, but they still got something approaching 40,000 people through. Um, it's been a lot of effort, it's it's much less the just-get-people-in-to-a-tent-and-drink-as-much-beer-as-you-can sort of event. They really do try and bring in the whole German culture and the authenticity around Oktoberfest. They fly an Oktoberfest band out. They actually brought in a Maypole, which they called an Oktoberpole, to raise in Brisbane City Hall um, and then move to the Oktoberfest grounds. But not just raise it, they actually flew out the Young Farmers Association who traditionally raised them in Germany as well, and uh, for a beer audience, uh, this year they managed to get a competition up where they invited eight of South East Queensland's best um, breweries to brew either a, a Marzen or a Mertzen um, or a Pilsner, uh, and then had a public, a couple of tap takeovers around venues across South East Queensland for the public to vote on it. And... Uh, you know, we had Bolter, we had Burley, we had Green Beacon, we had uh, Newstead all uh, with beers, and yet it was Black Ops down the Gold Coast, one with their Mertzen, and Four Hearts, one for their Pilsner. So, you know, a lot of things out of that, but it really shows how strong South East Queensland, you know, in terms of just brewing um, skills, that with with such a strong lineup of breweries invited, two of the smaller ones uh, really nailed it with their beers. So yeah, no, really, really good event. Um, we we should try and get you guys up, um, to, to come along to it next year because it's a it's well worth uh, visiting.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that for me, Matt, the um uh, the, the the beer uh, bringing the the local breweries in that to me I, I think as an outsider looking in is one of the key indicators that they've really got their shit together. Um, for October first, Brisbane, because. Uh, I think it can easily be sort of, you know, like almost like a, you know, German fest, an an imported kind of thing, bringing in both the, the breweries and then the venues um i think really just makes it uh, really pinpoints you know that that agricultural nature of beer the um, as well as you know the the german competitive sort of side of things and um and the authenticity as you say uh i think really just sort of stands it up and and it's interesting i guess and we probably don't want to touch on it too much but given that the the same venue hosted another event uh previously that uh you were i guess less than Uh, was was less than salubrious. Um, Were were there any of the similar kind of issues in terms of, you know, public transport and, um, I I guess, you know, public indecency?
2: Yeah, not not that I saw. Um, And, you know, I left it a variety of times because I spent a lot of time there. Saturday nights does start, you know, when you've got 6,000 people standing on... um, Benches singing uh, Robbie Williams' "Angels" um, in German? No, 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 no. Well, see, that's one of the funny things about. Is, when that, you're a, at is that a traditional yeah.
0: Oktoberfest song? No,
2: no, nothing says
1: Oktoberfest like Robbie Williams.
0: Well, no,
2: but it's <laughs> but it's funny when you that you say that that you know that there is a mix of German. Couldn't the band play "Casey"? Well, it it probably is the uh, European equivalent of K Sant, but it's when you go to Oktoberfest, the bands are key to it because you've got a lot of people who are drinking in a small area, um, and the bands just keep the entertainment, keep the focus on, you know, joviality rather than stupidity. Um, And so that's why they fly out an Oktoberfest band. And when I was at Oktoberfest last year, I was surprised that the songs that they're playing are some, you know, Standards um, and Robbie Williams' Angels was one of the ones that got everybody up singing well, the chorus. So yeah, so like there's nothing dodgy about that. And when you walk into to it, um, you, you don't. You do get um, you know the chicken dance and a couple of uh, German contemporary. Then you get a little bit of uh, you know you get Heidi singing, um, you know, yodeling and the, the the cowbells. So you do get a little bit of everything, but it's literally something for everyone.
0: Maybe next year we can give them the sheet music to uh, Your Dust Voice, and uh, we can get a bit of you know Fancy <laughs> yeah <laughs> go, on. go on as well um and the other thing too with the beers uh it, i think you, you and i've discussed this before don't know if we've mentioned it publicly on the podcast but is it um beers no more than four and a half or four percent or something 4%. like that is it well that is yeah. a
2: licensing restriction for big festivals in queensland um and you know the, the beer festivals get around it and that's where. Um, you know, beer Insider is a little bit betwixt and between because they're a music festival. Um but uh, so not, not a, a beer festival. Beholden um, to the same rules. So they're not beholden to the same rules, but Oktoberfest, they were re- originally limited to a 4% beer. So they found a, a brewery in Germany that was willing to make a selection of 4% beers um, and then Burley Brewing make the Dunkel. Um, but they've actually decided that whilst they could probably push, because they have established themselves as a se- serious event, they don't want to push it because it just change, you know, It means that there are no problems, and they they've got good beer, um, just good German uh, session beers. Um, but they don't have the problems associated with it, even just sort of pushing that, you know, alcohol up by one percent. Um, when people are there for four, five, six hours, um, you just don't have any problems. So it yeah. So they're really approaching it as a as a good event. Um, and and doing it really nicely.
0: We'll talk about it again, you know, when it comes up next year, but the it's the Royal Brisbane Showgrounds?
2: Royal Brisbane Showgrounds in the uh, big... To- well, they, yeah, they've got a big marquee there. Actually, Prof, one thing I will say, just as a bit of a gratuitous... Uh, no, thing, I, I caught up with uh, Scotty Hargrave there because he was one of the competing brewers, so he came along to check it all out. And whilst he's been to Germany, he's never actually been to Oktoberfest, and so we were just sort of, you know, we might have been had a stein under our belts when we said this, but we just sort of said, oh, mate, it'd be great if we could go to... Uh, um, Octoberfest and uh, and he, he so he's really keen and we thought oh yeah I wonder if anyone else would want to go so um, I had a bit of a chat to James that you know maybe we should do a uh, Australian brews new news tour to Oktoberfest and uh, you know with Scotty um, guiding it so you, you you can go over there with Scotty uh, visit Oktoberfest but first of all go to weinstefan go to Bamberg go to the hop uh, growing regions. Um, and, uh, yeah, look, a bit of a six day Contiki tour or Bruce Newsy tour, um, guided by Scott and, uh, try beer. So
0: well, we could perhaps tack onto the, uh, the back of the road to Munich that the, uh, the, cause the stone and wood guys will be, uh, there they around that, that, that same time. Or- well, yeah. When for staff who have, um, achieved the five years with the company. Yep. So this year there were, were, there were three of them. I, I have a feeling word on the ground might be if they all last the, the, the five years next year might be 15 or 20. So they might have a they might oh, have a wow. big tour bus.
2: Wow. Okay. Uh, mate, but that's well, mate, but
0: that's again. It's going it's going to Varman Malt. Uh, it's going to the the hop farms. It's it's exactly, going to yeah. you know Weich-de-Van and Schlenkele and all that sort of thing. So yeah, look, maybe yeah, bruise news on the road.
2: Tell me that those sorts of tours haven't had a great history. I know Ben Kraus tried to get one going, and uh, Paul Mercurio... Um, had one doing but look that's why I sort of put it out there you know if we get half a dozen people to so say yeah look I'd uh, be really interested if you did that you know just sort of five or six nights then you can tack on your own trip afterwards but uh, including a day at Oktoberfest uh, with someone like Scotty Hargraves
0: Maybe if we get five or six of our um, our Brews News partners um, saying, "Yep, yeah, I'll tip in some sponsorship money as long as you wear our t-shirt," and uh, <laughs> well, maybe we can make it. Maybe we can make it happen. Uh, look, it certainly sounds like it was great, and I'm sure the uh, the noise in the uh, in the pavilion would have been near deafening, which leads us nicely into our next wrap up. Uh, James of uh, last night's Alia's.
1: Yeah, last night was the Australian Liquor Industry Awards um, at Royal Ram Racecourse um, with, yeah, big, you know, packed ballroom of of people there to see the winner of such awards as best red wine under $15. Uh, There's about – there's about (laughs) – there's about there's about like you know a hundred different award categories, and it's just it's it's famous for um, being an awards night where no one listens to what's or pays any attention to um, to what's going on on the stage whatsoever. And poor old uh, Shane Jacobson, really. I mean, I, I've been to previous alia's, but
0: last night was actually special for the for the lack of respect shown to those on the stage. Um, but, but look at poor Kenny. With, he probably can't wait to get back to Little Big Shots because at least, the you know, working with kids or animals, I'd rather do that than, you know, the liquor industry.
1: Yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, I think the the event, it would, the first time that I went to it was five years ago. And the the main thing that I've just noticed is just the, um, you know, the continued growth of the, the smaller independent brands in that space. Uh, for starters, I mean, there's Kegstar have a bar there. And they, um, you know, they had some really good, some really great beers on. Um, and and Alia, the first time I went, the selection was was very meagre. Like, a, you, you know, the, the most adventurous thing you would have been able to find would have been Cooper's Pale Ale or something like that. Um, and so, look, really good beers, uh, really good spirits from the likes of Archie Rose, little spirits bar as well. Um, and good to see some independent brands um, winning awards as well. So uh, Sam Reed from... Is that a bit is, unusual, James? It is in in the context of the if you look at the the uh, the lineage of who's won alias, um, it there's really Stone and Wood um got a got a gong for the first time about two or three years ago, and they won two awards last night. You know, best draft beer I think was one of them. Um, and Willie Smiths were absolutely over the moon to be up against the likes of Summers Summers Besider and be voted as you know the tr- the best cider brand by the trade. Um, and Pirate Life picked up an award. As well, I think for package craft beer. So, look, just just interesting seeing that um, that those brands are, are sort of having their day in the sun in, in those commercial arenas that they otherwise wouldn't have previously.
0: And just for our listeners, just fill us in in the 141 characters or fewer uh, how how they're voted and who votes.
1: It's a panel of the trade. So
0: the idea is
1: that it's um, it's it's retailers, publicans, buyers um, of, of alcohol that. Uh, that you know, just vote for which brands they think have been the most important in their venues in that year. So they just get given a, a you know, there's a nomination process, and then they come up with a shortlist. And and you know, to to sort of get to get um, voted up across some of these mainstream venues that would be having a that would be
0: having a say is is no mean feat. And did um, our mate Sam Reed from Willie Smiths also pick up a gong for uh, best dressed? We did see him there like, as uh, in costume, full costume as Apple Man with yeah. a big no concentrate patch.
1: Yeah, like, I don't know if he won the costume prize. He had plenty of competition for that, but um, oh, yeah, so, he, so was, he wasn't he wasn't the only one dressed up. No, because it was a heroes and, th- and villains theme. So he was um Apple Man, you know, ridding the world of um, constant uh, of concentrate-based <laughs> cider.
0: <laughs> and we 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 really we must put a uh, a little picture in the in the show notes or at least stick it on the australian Brews news uh facebook page thanks for that james hey mate well i've got you there (laughs) talk us through some starry-eyed startups
1: yeah well imagine my uh reaction when i was sitting on facebook and a um you know a sponsored post came up in my newsfeed. we're starting a brewing company why why the hell not uh to which my initial reaction was well well how long have you got I mean I could give you a hell of a lot of reasons why not to start a brewery at the moment um you know there's there's too many already there's a lot of breweries that are that are on the market at the moment you know small small uh, operations if I went around and numbered them I'd say you'd get to 10 very easily that are on the market and there's there's gypsy uh, brewers around that have decided after a couple of years of slaving away that uh, they want to pull up stumps and and you know they they put the brand on the market and I don't think that there's really any buyers for uh, some of these um, you know you know for a gypsy brand and I just thought that when I dug into who these guys were and 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 why they seemed to be doing it their actual um, reason for doing it just didn't really seem to have any substance to it beyond we were drinking a pale ale in our pub and decided why don't we make our own and then in the same in the course of the same week um, I got a a pitch from a PR company about two Aussie legends who've built a full production uh, setup in their backyard without their wives' permission from Gumtree. The duo are based in St George, Sydney and are keen to throw in the day job once they get it off the ground. Um, they recently supplied beer at a wedding in Mudgee and have been in conversation with local pubs to supply their local beer. Would love to know if you'd be interested in interviewing the duo to discuss their
0: backyard brewing journey. James, I've just got AB Imbev on the other line here. They just want to know, will they take a check?
1: <laughs> or yeah, so have more, to be cash? more alarm bells on that one they've got i mean it doesn't sound like they've even got an excise license or a liquor license to me I, I that was my first they've question got to a them PR was, agency james and they've got a pr agency and um oh,
0: i sort of, think the three of us are attached i think the key here is they don't have their wife's permission this, this thing is doomed to <laughs> <a> failure yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah and I, I just i just sort of um am surprised that at this point with Everything that all all the intelligence that there is out there about the diffi- how difficult the craft beer space is at the moment, that there are still these people coming into it that haven't clearly have not got a fucking clue what they're doing, and um, I I find it I just find it concerning. And um, obviously those of us who have been um, talking the sector down, if you want to call it that, or being realistic about the fortunes of of what it's like to try and make money off beer at the moment. Maybe need to keep beating that drum so that hopefully it'll get through to some of these people who aren't listening.
2: Yeah, and I mean that second one you gave, where they, you know, they're putting it together in their backyard. I mean that reminds me, you know, back to God, seven, eight years ago when Coinda started, and they, you know, built a brewery in their backyard and they used the, the Close, swimming... closer to ten years, man. Ten years. That was about yeah. two thousand seven, two thousand eight, yeah. And they uh, were using their swimming pool as a heat exchanger, so they would pump the <laughs> the, the, the hot wort. Through a hose that was draped in the swimming pool. Through the pool water. to So they
0: heated the pool and cooled the word at the same time. A lot
2: has changed in those 10 years where you, know, you can sort of do the real um, you know, bootstrap your way in, into a brewery. And yet, yeah, look, it, it, it's much harder now. There are much more competition. But the other thing that for even breweries that aren't quite as you know, bootstrap is these guys. Um, the number of people I speak to and so say, look, you know, there are a lot of breweries, you know, when you're sort of investing a million dollars in in a new brewery and they so say, oh, look, you know, I think the market, you know, there's only 400 breweries. And I think the market can handle 400. The point is that whilst you might be the 400th to open, there is still another 70 or 80. So you'll very quickly become one of 500, not the 400, the 400. Um, and when, when you see all of these Breweries, you know, some better thought out than others, sprang up. They make, you know, it, that has an effect across all of the um, participating breweries because they're all vying for the same taps.
0: And we here at Radio Brews News, of course, wish them all the very best. Uh, <laughs> another person uh, to to wrap up the news for this week, and before we send people over to uh, listen to our great chat with the Mountain go guys. Um, Ash Cranston, we also wish very well. He's uh, recently moved on from uh, a long and distinguished career in marketing at Little Creatures, and Matt uh, is involved in something quite exciting up your way. Yeah, mate,
2: we might even park this one because I'm actually going out to see Ash and uh, the Howard Smith Wharves
0: um, tomorrow. Oh, sweet! Can you just talk us through, just paint the picture a little bit of the um, of the air, the development that's that's going on there, without necessarily doing specifically the the brewery part. Uh, well, anyone
2: that knows the Brisbane CBD, you know that the river runs through the Riverside Centre and there used to be, you know, back in when I was a kid, back when I was a boy, that all used to be old wharves and uh, most of those have been torn down and it's all been uh, gentrified, nice developments along it. But there's just this one part under the story bridge that there are still wharves there um, and it's been a, you know, I saw for quite some time and there's a, it's going through a major redevelopment and that redevelopment is... Uh, you know it involves a brewery, and I've been hearing about this for the last four or five years, um never really knowing who was behind the brewery or anything like that, but to have you know a- a- Ash Cranston is a what I would call a heavy hitter in the industry, James, you'd agree?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know that's where you know th- there is I think room in the market for the startups that are that are going to do do things the right way and have the right people who understand the market. So yeah, that that, that sounds like these guys have landed on their feet by getting Ash on board.
2: Yeah, so it, uh, I'm interested to find out a little bit more uh, about who's behind it because Ash is the in, in, in the business side of it, not the brewing side of it, and normally we get excited about the brewers. So to have him associated before we know who the brewer is, uh, it'll be really interesting to see what they've got planned.
0: Yeah, well, we'll, we'll get you to uh, give us a, a report on the ground and report back to us uh, and the listeners next week, Matt. we Will do. Done. Uh, I don't believe we have any cards and or letters. Uh, not this week, no. No, no chance for a little uh, a little song bit there. Never mind. Um uh, Folks, we might just leave it at that for this week. So plenty that we've uh, shared with you this week. Hopefully we've shone a light on some of the uh, darker recesses of the uh, the news and uh, happenings in the craft beer world. We look forward to coming back next week. Matt, I think we might have uh, for next week, uh, apart from the news, in the beer is conversation side of things, hoping to chat with um, – Owen Johnson, OJ, from uh, Advanced Hop Products about uh, some interesting technological advancements. Yeah, actually, it's a really good
2: chat. It's it's something that I've been uh, thinking about for a while. I mean, OJ's no stranger to Radio Brews News, obviously. We're normally talking about, you know, waving fields of hops um, or strings of hops. Yeah, or the hop report. The hop report, yep. But one of the things that we are seeing is an increase in the use of things like hop oils and uh, hop powders but then there's also a whole lot of hop-based products that brewers are using to you know hold foam in your beer or you know stop uh, foaming in the in in the kettle or the fermenter and then also just some things that can give beer a little bit more hop flavor or hop aroma without actually boiling hops in so they're added post-fermentation and uh These are things that once upon a time when the big brewers used them were seen as evil, you know, tetrahops and allowed beer to be in clear glass bottles. But we're starting to see craft brewers um, use a whole range of techniques. And it starts, you know, when the definition of craft is based on traditional, maybe we need to start looking at, well, what does traditional mean these days? And, uh, you know, do we have to revise? So have a really good chat with uh, OJ about what the products are, but then also muse a little bit about what it means for the romance of uh, craft brewing.
0: Terrific. That'll be next week. Uh, As I say, this week, James and I, in real life, James flew down and we popped out to uh, Mountain Goat in Richmond and had a chat with uh, Ian Morgan, the head brewer, and Dave Benighton, the spiritual head, uh, and one of Australia's beer industry's pioneers, but also one of their nicest blokes. Uh, So that is this week. And uh, we look forward to catching up with you again next week. Thank you, uh, Matt. Thank you, Prof. And thank you, James. Thank you, Prof. And uh, in the spirit of uh, October, auf Wiedersehen. Und wer out?